Hold your Bibles up. I want you to repeat after me. Say, this is God's Word. Come on, say it like you mean it. This is God's Word. Not Pastor Eben's Word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for your word. It's quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And Father, we come in Jesus' name thanking you for the opportunity to come and hear the word of God from the Spirit of God. I step back so the Spirit of God can use me to bring blessing, to pronounce change, and to insert the words in our hearts so our lives can be the better. And so, Spirit of God, we yield to you today. And Father, in advance, I thank you for signs, miracles, and wonders that are going to follow our lives because Jesus always confirms his word with signs following. We thank you that our lives will never be the same. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Last week I did a message entitled, Living Life with a Pure Heart. Everybody say, Living Life with a Pure Heart. And if you weren't here, I want to encourage you to go to our YouTube channel and watch it because I did an illustration that will help you understand what it means to live life with a pure heart. Now this week I decided to extend that message. So if you're taking notes, our message title is the same and that is Living Life with a Pure Heart and we're going to deal with part two. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go back to Titus chapter 1. Verses 15, Titus 1, 15, and then we're going to go over to Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. That was Titus 1, 15 and Colossians 3, 16. Now, let me just tell you in advance, I believe that if you will absorb what I'm teaching you today, your life will change for the better and it can start today. Everybody say today. So last week, and I'm going to do a slight overview for those of you who weren't here, and then catch everybody up, and then I'm going to move forward with today's lesson. Last week we learned that the heart of a person is the core of a person's thoughts, attitudes, beliefs, and motivations. Everybody say thoughts, attitudes, beliefs, and motivations. All of those things take place in our heart. And so we read the message translation of Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. And this is what it says. Keep vigilant watch over your heart. That's where life starts. And then we read that same verse in the New Living Translation, which says, Guard your heart above all else. For it, your heart, determines the course of your life. In other words, the direction of our lives has, has its main influence from our hearts. 
And that's why it's critical that we keep, keep, you know, keep our hearts pure and keep our hearts straight. And if there's any area of a person's life that the devil would like to contaminate, it would be your heart. He's not after your marriage. He's not after your job. He's not after your kids. He's actually after your heart because your heart is the place that you believe God for those things. Someone say amen to that. And that's why so many devastating things happen to people when they're young. So, you know, the devil can damage their hearts as a young person and then they grow up as damaged adults. So let's go back to Timothy chapter 1. Timothy or Titus chapter 1 because it's the foundational text. Now I'm going to show you something. He says, unto the pure, all things are pure, but unto those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But even their mind and their conscience is defiled. Now the New Living Translation says, everything is pure to those whose hearts are pure. But nothing is pure to those who are corrupt and unbelieving because their minds and consciences are corrupt. Now remember, the word pure, we defined it on last week, means clean. So anytime we read the word pure, it means clean. And many times the negative thoughts that we think about people is not really discernment, but it's our own unpure, negative, and unbelieving thoughts that we have. In other words, when we think thoughts like, oh, they think they're better than us. They think they're better than everybody. It's really you thinking that they think that they are better than everybody. Amen. Something happened to me recently that's a great example of someone judging me that really didn't know me. And so uh, what it was is it was something in their own heart that God was going to expose. And so two years ago, I was invited by a pastor friend of mine to uh, come and teach at his church. And uh, this was two years ago. And on that Sunday, I taught the importance of giving and how we can change your life. And so while I was teaching, one of the members of this, my friend's church, got offended and said in their hearts about me that all I wanted was people's money. And of course, you know, the bling that I wear doesn't help. It doesn't help the whole situation. But see, I had bling B.C. That means before Christ. And so this person did not keep his negative thoughts to himself. But he told the pastor all that pastor wanted was people's money. Now, while I'm on this subject, let me give you some wisdom. Touch your neighbor and say he's about to give you some wisdom. There is no such thing as a generous, greedy person. I'm going to say that again because I think you missed it. There is no such thing as a generous, greedy person. You are either one or the other. You are either generous or you're greedy, but you can't be both of them. And see, one of my giftings as a person is giving. How many know Pastor Evans is a giver? Let me see your hand. Now, thank you for that one exciting clap. So I want you to look at Romans chapter 12, verses 6, because it, it really describes one of my giftings as a person, okay? It says in the New Living Translation, In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. 
So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, then speak out with as much faith as God has given you. Verse 7, is your gift serving others? Serve them well. If you are a teacher, do what? Teach well. Watch verse 8 because this describes me. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraged. Here it is. If it is giving, then do what? Give generously. And this is why I say when a person can match my giving, then you have the right to criticize my living. (laughs) I'm going to be nice because I know we have visitors here today. No, but, but honestly, when you can match the way I give, then I give you permission to criticize how I live. Amen. And uh, so let me go back to the story. So this member of my friend's church uh, had judged me, but I didn't know that he had judged me. And so last week, this same friend asked me to come and encourage his leadership on giving because, number one, they were getting ready to start a construction project and he needed their members to start committing to give financially to this new project. And he knew that I was, you know, that I'm gifted in this area. Uh, And so uh, because we had just finished our building, he figured, you know what, Pastor Evan is going to be able to communicate to my church and encourage my leadership on giving. Which, by the way, by the end of the night, we had over a million dollars in commitments. With 64 people, by the way. So uh, two years had gone by. So God had a chance to deal with this person's heart. Now, I didn't know who the person was, nor did I know that this person would be in the room. But God sometimes will do exceeding and abundantly above to prove a point and to correct our hearts. So while I'm up there ministering, right, uh, God led me to give people an opportunity that if they wanted to declare what they were giving and then share something that they could. It was, it was really a relaxed environment. It was over dinner. And, uh, but God told me to do that. And so, you know, people would just stand up and, and declare what they were giving and uh, would also just share something that was in their heart, right? And, uh, and many of them did it with tears. I mean, they're giving thousands of dollars away crying. I mean, the Spirit of God was there, right? And so as I was, you know, managing that, uh, this particular couple got up, and it was a guy who was single, and he stood up with his fiance. And, and as soon as he stood up, God spoke to me and said, whatever he's giving, put $5,000 toward it. I was like, okay. So I let him stand up, and they declared... Uh, Uh, a certain amount of money and after they did that I said well sir I I don't know you but when you stood up God spoke to me and told me to give $5,000 towards your pledge and everybody started clapping right well what I didn't know is that the person that got offended with me last year two years ago And the person who said I was a greedy person and pretty much was just saying that I wanted people's money, guess who it was that I was giving this $5,000 to? Hot diggity dog. And that's why I'm teaching this. God was using me to expose this guy's own heart and to show him by using me, the very person that he got offended by and misjudged to bless him. Someone say amen to that. 
If our hearts are not pure, it defiles our thinking and it ultimately produces unbelief in us. So last week we looked at two key reasons why having a pure heart is necessary. Here is the first one, is having a pure heart helps me to see and discern God better. That was number one. In other words, the reason why we need to have a pure heart is for us to see and discern God better. In other words... Uh, it helps us to hear the voice of God. We looked at Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. This is what it says. Blessed are the pure or the clean in heart. Read it with me. For they shall, they shall see God. So the purity of my heart is what helps me see God better. And listen, the condition of our hearts doesn't stop God from reaching us. But it can hinder us from discerning Him. I'm going to say that again. The condition of our heart doesn't stop God from reaching us. And that's why even while we're in sin, God can still speak to us because the condition of our heart doesn't stop God from reaching us, but it can hinder us from discerning Him. Now, the second reason we looked at last week that helps us live a life, of a, a reason why we need to live a life with a pure heart is because our heart controls our believing and our believing defines our possibilities. And we establish this principle from Romans chapter 10, verse 9. I'm just going to read it quickly. In the New King James Version, it says that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and, say and, and believe where, class? Come on, believe where? Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. Here's verse 10. It confirms it again. For with the what? For with the heart one does what? Believe. So you and I need to have pure hearts because it helps us discern and see God better, but it also helps us to believe. Amen. So our heart controls our, our believing, and it also defines or sets the parameters for what becomes possible. So we read Mark chapter 9, verse 23, that said, If you can believe, watch this now, all things are what? possible to him that believe it so my potential and my possibilities in life are directly connected to my ability to believe and watch this and my believing is impacted by the purity of my heart so the question we asked on last week was how do we purify our hearts and maintain a pure heart well we gave the solution it was the word so now we're starting this new uh lesson here is john chapter 15 verse 3 last week i did an illustration that showed you the power of the word of god it is designed to clean us and so we read the verse in john 15 3 that says now this was jesus talking he says you are clean that word clean is the same word pure that we read over there in titus he says now you are clean or pure watch this through the word which i have spoken to you so the word cleanses our hearts and keep them clean everybody say the word cleanses my heart and keeps them clean so you really don't have an anger problem you have a word problem you really don't have a health problem you have a word problem you don't have a lack of money problem you actually have a lack of the word problem so how do you and I fill ourselves up with the word so that our hearts stay clean and then watch this, so that our faith will work at all times because the faith that God has given you works from the heart. 
So go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. I'm about to show you something. I believe your life will change today. Colossians chapter 3, look in verse 16. I'm about to show you now how to now get the word on the inside, keep it on the inside, and let that word begin to work on the inside of you. Watch what it says in Colossians 3.16. It says, let, let's just stop right there, because you and I must let. Now, nobody else is in here, just us. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you how? Richly. Now, the word dwell there means to dwell in one, watch this, and influence them for good. That word dwell means to dwell in one and influence them for good. The word richly means abundantly. So that verse is saying, let the words of Christ dwell in you and influence you for good in an abundant way. And then he says, in all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with melody and grace in your heart to the Lord. Now I want you to see what this verse is saying. It's saying that we need to put the word in us in abundance so that it influences how we talk, how we walk. Watch this, the songs that we sing. Notice he says, speaking in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Don't, don't disconnect the verse. He says, let the words of Christ dwell in you abundantly to the point that the hymns and the psalms and spiritual songs you sing are word-based. That's what he's saying here. He's saying the word ought to be so much in you in abundance that it impacts the spiritual songs that you sing. It impacts the psalms, the hymns, the witnesses. Listen, even how you talk to one another, he says, let it dwell in you richly or abundantly. Now listen, because the word is so important to God, he gave the children of Israel certain instructions about his word. So I'm just going to read a couple of verses. The first one is in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5. Because the, the scripture says that God has magnified his word above his name. You say, well, how is that? Well, because your name is no good if your word ain't. Deuteronomy 6, 5, it says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words, everybody say these words. These words which I command you this day shall be in your where, class? In your heart. Watch this. You shall teach them diligently unto your children. The school system shouldn't do that. We shouldn't wait for our daycare to teach out. I don't care if your children go to a, a Christian school. That's wonderful. But it is not the responsibility of the school to teach our children the Word. It is our responsibility as parents. He said, teach them to your children. And you shall talk about them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up, verse 8, and you will, you shall bind, he's talking about his word, bind them upon the sign of your hand, and they shall be frontlets of, between your eyes, and you shall write them upon the post of your house and on your gates. Notice God's word was very important. Watch Job chapter 23, verse 10. Job says, but he knows the way that I take. 
talking about God, when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot has held his steps, his way have I kept and not declined. Watch verse 12. Neither have I gone back from the commandments of his lips. Watch what Job says about the word. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Some of y'all need to go on a diet. Just look at your neighbor and say, you need to go on a diet. Now look at your other neighbor and say, don't say that to me no more. Job said that God's word is more important to me than food. Amen. Now I'm going to jump to Jeremiah chapter 15 because Jeremiah described the word this way and then I'm about to share something that I know is going to change your life. In the New King James Version, Jeremiah 15 verse 15, he says, O Lord, you know, remember me and visit me and take vengeance for me on my persecutors. In other words, God, deal with my haters. He says, in your enduring patience, do not take me away. Know that your, for your sake I have suffered rebuke. Watch verse 16. Your words, God, were found and I did what? He says, and I ate them and your word was to me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. Now here's the problem with most people. Watch this now. They have enough knowledge of the word to be able to believe. But they don't have enough word in them to have faith. Oh, I'm going to say that again. See, here's the problem with a lot of believers. They have enough word in them to believe, but they don't have enough word in them to have faith. Okay, let's go back to Mark chapter 9, verse 23. I'm going to break it down. See, this is where the suffering Christians fall. This is where people who say stuff like this, well, if it's the Lord's will, he'll, he'll let it happen. This is people who say, well, I don't know if God really wants me to have a new car. I don't know if God wants me to... Pro-. These are those people, they fall in this category. Watch, watch Mark 9.23 now. I'm about to, I'm about to, I'm about to touch your neighbor and say he's about to change your life right now. Mark 9.23, watch what Jesus said. He says, if, 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 if. When I was growing up, they said if if was a fifth, we would all be drunk. How many heard that before? How many heard that? You old, that's why you heard it before. <laughs> Watch this. If you can do what, class? Come on, class. Jesus says, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that what? To him that believes. Now, I want you to notice that all things are possible to him who believes, but it doesn't say all things are definite. I'm going to say that again. He said all things are possible to the person who believes, but it didn't say all things were definite. Someone say amen. In other words, if I can believe, then believing opens the door for possibilities for things to happen. But it's not a guarantee that those things will. Now, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 says, For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. In other words, here I'm about to show you the difference between faith and believing because there's a big difference between the two. Now, believing, watch this now, if you're taking notes, it means to accept something to be true. 
It means to accept something to be true. That's all that it means. And this is why a person can believe that Jesus is real and even believe that he's the son of God, but not put their faith and trust in him. Huh. See, that's why he said, everybody that says to me, Lord, Lord, is not going to go to heaven. Why? Because, listen... The Bible says, and you can just write this verse down. This is in James chapter 2, verse 26. It says, uh, uh, faith without works is dead. But now in James chapter 2, verse 19, it says, you believe there is one God, you do well. But even the demons believe that. So I can believe something, but not have faith in it. Okay, let me give you a practical. Give me a practical. If there was a chair up here. I can believe that the chair has enough strength to hold me up if I sat down in the chair. In other words, I believe the chair can hold me up if I sat in it. But I don't show faith in the chair until I trust the chair to sit down in it. In other words, you can believe all day that the chair will hold you up, but you don't exercise faith in the chair until you sit down in it. So you can believe something but not have faith in it. You can believe you're supposed to tithe, but until you do, you don't have faith that tithing will work. And that's why, listen, see, faith requires action where believing doesn't require any action. For me to believe that that chair will hold me up requires no action on my part. All it requires is my believing that it is true. So you can believe something but never act on on what you believe. And that's why, watch this now, the Bible says faith without works is James 2.26, for for as the body without the spirit is dead. Watch this. So faith without works is dead. So watch this now. So if faith without works, which by the way, faith without works is nothing but believing. That's all that is. Faith that has no actions is nothing but believing. That's why it's dead because it has to have actions. He says faith without works is what? Okay, so if faith without works is dead, works without faith is dead too. If faith without works is dead. In other words, I say I believe something, but I don't put no action toward it. He said that's dead faith. That's nothing but believing. But if faith without works is dead, then works without faith is dead too. You say, well, Pastor Evan, break this thing down for me. I am. Touch your neighbor and say, he is. Watch this now. Faith only comes when the word is present. Listen, faith comes how? By hearing. So watch this. If I haven't heard enough of the word, then there may be faith or there may be enough for me to believe but I may not have heard enough faith or word for the faith to come. See, faith comes by hearing. You might have heard enough to believe in the chair, but you haven't heard enough for those words to now produce faith for you to do something about it. Are y'all with me? So a lot of times people, they believe, but they don't have faith. And, 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 and you and I can keep a pure heart with the word, but we may not have enough word in our heart for faith to work. You say, well, what do you mean? Listen, go to John 15, 7. Let me show you something. Now, see, this right here, this right here might change your theology just a little bit. John 
chapter 15, verse 7. Watch this. I'm going to show you that we may have enough word to believe, but not enough to have faith to produce what we're believing. I'm going to say that again. We may have enough word to believe something that's true, but we may not have enough word in us to produce the faith that we need to believe whatever we're believing for. John 15, 7 breaks it down. Jesus said, if you abide, what? In me. See, that's fellowship and relationship. He says, if you abide in me, what's the next word? And, and my words abide where? In you. He says, then you can ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Now, I want you to notice that this verse does not say, if you abide in me, then ask what you will and that shall be done. It didn't say that. He did not say, if you abide in me, if you have a relationship with me, if you love me and you have fellowship with me. He didn't say, if you abide in me, ask what you will. And that's the problem. That's where a lot of Christians are. They think just because they have a relationship with Jesus Christ, they love God with all of their heart. They feel that just because they love God, everything ought to work out for them. It doesn't work like that. He just said, he didn't say that if you abide in me, you can ask what you will. He said, no, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then he said, you can ask for what you will. So listen now, so we can abide in Christ and his word not abide in us. I'm going to say that again. You and I can abide in Christ. We can have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We can abide in him. Watch this. But his word's not abide in us. Okay, here's a good example. You told your kid, your kids know not to cuss. They know that. How many, it's a rule in your house, no cussing? Oh, that's all? Well, maybe that's why Junior's cussing. Maybe, maybe that's why. Okay, so the very few hands that I saw up, the rule in our house is no cussing. But when they get to school and they start cussing, watch this. They are in relationship with you, but they words ain't in you. You can have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You can abide in Him, but His words not abide in you. And that's why you can't ask what you will, because you don't have enough word which produces faith in you for Him to give you what you want. It's not His fault. You just don't have enough of His word on the inside of you. Amen. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you desire and it shall be done. Listen, the key word, watch this, this is so good now. The key word in this verse is the word, word. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what you will. You know what that word, word means? It's the Greek word rhema. Now, let me give you the definition of rhema. It means that which is or has been uttered by a living voice. I'm going to say that again. The word rhema there means 
that which is or has been uttered by a living voice. In other words, a rhema word is a spoken word. So what Jesus was saying is, if you abide in me, and my rhema spoken word is coming out of your mouth, you can ask me for whatever you want. And that's why a lot of people do not get what they ask for because number one, they're not asking. And number two, they don't have enough word in them to ask. You say, well, Pastor, what are you talking about? Okay, watch this now. Luke chapter 6, verse 45. I'm going to show you. Because see, whatever's in you in abundance is going to come out. Luke chapter 6, verse 45. Jesus said, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth that which is good. An evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth that which is evil. Watch this. For, for out of the abundance of the what class? Out of the what? Out of the what? Out of the abundance of the heart, what's going to happen? The what? That's why you ain't speaking the word because it ain't in your heart. That's why when you go through difficulty, you say exactly what's on the inside of your heart. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I'm going to stay broke the rest of my life. Girl, I'm so broke I can't pay attention. I mean, that's broke. If you can't pay attention... It's not in you in abundance. And here's, here's the kicker. Faith, watch this now. Oh, this is good. Believing comes by knowing. Faith comes by hearing. See, to just believe something, all someone has to do is give you some information and then you go, oh, okay, I, I believe that. But faith is the next level. Faith is the thing that God has put on the inside of us that allows us to access his promises. So watch this. So if I don't have enough of his word on the inside of my heart, I'm not going to speak it out of my mouth. And listen, if I don't speak it out of my mouth, it's not in my heart in abundance. And if it's not in my heart in abundance, I will not receive the things that God has said I should because, watch this, it's out of the abundance of the heart. How many have been drunk before? Let me see your hand. Drunk before? Drunk before? All right. All right. That all? Okay. I didn't ask you if you got drunk last night. I didn't ask you that. Let me, let me try this again. Because see, some of y'all be hearing what I'm not saying. I did not say how many got drunk last night. I didn't ask you that. Let me ask the question again. How many have been drunk before? Good. Now, how many got drunk last night? No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. <laughs> Somebody kept their hand up. <laughs> when you get drunk, when I was growing up, they call it fool. You're going to get fool tonight? That means you were going to get drunk. Now, these days, they have several terms. Pastor Cyrus telling me the first one. Lit. <laughs> Pastor Jonathan and I was at uh, Lowe's this weekend, and a, a man uh, uh, just decided to walk up to us and ask us a weird question. 
He says, you all love me and don't you? I said, hold up. What are you talking about? I'm not going to answer that question till you define what you mean. But this guy was lit. If I were to put a cigarette lighter in front of him, we'd have blew lows up. I promise you. Boom! He was full. Listen, what was in him was in abundance to the point that I know what he put in him because it was coming out of him. When the word is inside of your heart in abundance. When situations pop up, you don't even wait to speak the word because before the situation, you were already speaking the word. I don't wait to speak the word when difficulty comes into my life. I'm speaking the word every day of my life. And so when difficulty comes, I'm not saying nothing different than what I've been saying. And some of y'all are not full of it. Oh, I'm trying to get you drunk today. See, some of y'all are way below the limit. No, no, no. If I get pulled over by a cop, I want him to tell me, you, sir, you are over the word limit. You are intoxicated with the word. And when you are intoxicated with the word... All things are not only possible, but I'm going to receive what I believe because I'm full of the word and the word will not return void. And that's why when you are full of the word, when you are talking to God, he's agreeing with that word that's already on the inside of you. And he says, I got to do it because it cannot return to me void. Did y'all get something out of the lesson today? Give the Lord a hand clap. So here's the application. Here's the application. Because I need you to get this. I need you to get this. You have to be so full of the word that nothing else can get in. You know how I stop cussing? Ask me how I stop cussing. I stop cussing. Because I put the word in, cuss had to come out. See, you put the word in, can't nothing else get in there. So you got to make your mind up that you're going to be full so nothing else can get in. Here's number two. When you are full of something, it's going to come out. And here's the number one problem. When I meet with people, here is what the problem is. It's not that they don't love God. It's not that they don't believe God. It's not that they don't believe the word. The problem is they have a dormant mouth. How does faith come? So if faith comes by, somebody has to be talking for me to hear it. Did you get that? So you don't just wait for Pastor Evan to be the speaking. Because I'm not with you 24 hours a day. You know who needs to be speaking the word for faith to come when you hear it? You. And here's the biggest problem I find with believers. When I meet with them, they've, they've conquered 
not saying negative stuff. But what they haven't conquered is speaking the word. God said, let there be light. What happened? There was light. He didn't sit there and think it. Well, I, I wish it wasn't so dark in here. Hmm. Been dark now for 24 hours. What am I going to do? No, no. He called those things that were not as though they were. And if you get anything out of what I'm telling you today, it's two things. Get in this word. You can't afford to listen to jazz. I, I, I know you listen to, you know, well, Pastor, is it wrong to listen to Beyonce? Not necessarily wrong to listen to, to Beyonce, but, but, but why make her rich instead of letting the words of Christ dwell in you richly? Man, you, look. Some of y'all need to have me on repeat. I, I'm kind of encouraging now. I'm trying to nod you because, see, some of y'all, you know, you let your radio play at work. You got your ear pods in. You, you don't need to hear nothing but the Word. Because there's going to come a day where you're going to need that Word. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Spirit of God, thank you for helping to communicate the thing that's on the Father's heart. I know that His heart wants His children to have his best, but we have to cooperate with him by speaking faith-filled words, by putting his word on the inside of us. And so I've delivered the word, and I thank you for the Spirit of God taking that word and encouraging the people of God. In Jesus' name, with every head still bow. Here's my question. If you died today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? Because if you're not...